Let's give it up for Madison right there. That was, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> I love that song, and, and it means more to me even now, which I'll get to in, uh, in a minute. But uh, Cody, man, thank you. Cody was, my, was the best man in my wedding. Sad to see him, you know, kind of transition, but grateful he's going to be here, and he's inspired me in so many ways, man. I appreciate what you, what you shared. Uh, you're, you're amazing. Um, you know, today we're, we're, uh, we've had a great time of honoring. I mean, la- last week was a super special, meaningful moment, you know, in, in time, getting the chance to celebrate uh, Sam Lang and, uh, and, and even this morning getting a chance to honor Cody. And we're going to have some more just kind of honoring time. Uh, we, had a, we had a blast last night with our youth and family ministry. Uh, we got a chance to uh, celebrate, you know, the end of our year together. Um, we had our end of year banquet. We had 170 people, you know, in the FLC and having some food, came in here for some awards and, and superlatives and uh, funny family TikTok videos and all that kind of stuff, awkward family photos. And so uh, it, was, it was a really meaningful time here. The Thrive Ministry was having a Christmas party up the hill. We had an AIM session yesterday up there. there there's a lot going on, you know, on our campus. And uh, it's just been an amazing time of celebration. This, this tends to be the time, a time of year where we, we take time to celebrate. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, I think celebration, you know, celebration is a spiritual discipline. We, we think often uh, in terms of fasting, you know, or prayer uh, or Bible study as a spiritual discipline. And, you know, um, but celebration is a spiritual discipline that God commands us to do. And it's something that, uh, that well, I, I love this passage here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 14. I think I got my, uh, my clicker working. Deuteronomy chapter 14 shows who God is. This is a crazy passage. He says, you must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops that you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and shepherds and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Now, when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of, of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring your tithe just because you're super rich, you know, at that, at that moment that year, right? So if that's the case, if so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. So basically, you know, kind of sell it to grab some money for yourself. And then when you arrive, you may use that money to buy any kind of food you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, or other alcoholic drink. Then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. So he says, hey, set aside a tenth of your income. Is it for the poor? No, that's a separate tithe. Is it for the needs of the community? No, that's kind of a separate tithe. This 10% of your income, what I want you to do with it is I want you to take all of it. Go to the, go to the place where I, have, I want you to go and celebrate there. Have a party. Have a feast. Enjoy hanging out with one another so that, and I love what it says, so that you learn to fear me. Celebration is for us to, to fear God more, to, to just, just be more in awe of who God is. That's celebrating. You know, back in the day, you know, we had our, our, uh, a newsletter. Our newsletter would show, you know, how much our weekly contribution was. And that was usually a 10% of our income on a weekly basis, right, which is about $40,000. If you were to multiply that, right, by 52 weeks, that's a little under $2.1 million. Let's say that we at North River decided to have a party with a budget of $2.1 million. 
all right? And it was just for us that we had to use all of it, okay? What would you do? I'm sure you wouldn't be buying, you know, your two-buck chuck, you know, at, at Trader Joe's and stuff like that. I don't know who you would fly in. You'd fly in, you know, Beyonce to perform. I don't know what it was. What would you do, you know, with a $2 million party that we threw for ourselves? You know, God commands us to do that. What kind of God commands us to celebrate, you know, in that kind of way? That's, God, is, God is the most joyful being in the universe. You know, Jesus was the happiest, most joyful man to ever exist. That's who Jesus was. I don't know if we think about him often in terms of those ways. We think about him more serious, a teacher, a rabbi. Jesus was the happiest guy to ever exist. And that's who we get to follow. And so today, in the spirit of celebration, uh, we're gonna, I, I wanted to take some time to celebrate. Number one, I want to celebrate you guys. And then I want to pivot and I really want to celebrate Jesus together. And just, and just talk about Jesus. Just get a time to celebrate him. You know, one of the, one of the ways I wanted, to, I wanted to honor our volunteers and take a moment to honor our volunteers. You know, we have a, a great staff here at North River, but really the, the work in the church is done by our volunteers and by the people that are working behind the scenes. They're not getting recognition or honor or, or, you know, payment for what they're doing. They're just here to serve God, serve us. And if you look around the church, it's amazing at how many people we have serving. Let's just take, you know, these Sunday mornings, for example. We got our incredible usher team our worship team, our tech team, our security team, our kids' ministry teachers. Can we just give it up for that group right there? You know, that's so helpful, you know, for us. You know, we have, we have people that take care of our building. We have our, administration, we have our administrative team. We have our facilities of volunteers that are so helpful in making our church campus the way it is. In our different communities, we have our incredible youth and family volunteers, you know, that we got a chance to honor last night. We have our Hope chapter representatives. We have our family group leaders that work tirelessly just to kind of help encourage, you know, the rest of us. Our community leaders that help just kind of organize and encourage and, and help facilitate uh, the amazing communities that we have. Our elders, all right, that are volunteering for us incredible leaders and shepherds for us. They're amazing. Our deacons, our community shepherds, they're just kind of trying to help out in the different communities. And our campus ministry, we've got our, our, our campus shepherds that dedicate time to helping, helping shepherd and, and encourage the campus ministry. Our campus interns, our campus lunch coordinators, those guys are incredible. The people that help out with the angel tree, our yes program, okay? Can we give it up for our yes program and all that they do? You know, people are, are, are new to North River coordinators. I mean, there are so many. We, 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 I want you to think for a minute. Maybe I missed, you know, missed one in there. But think through just the ones that you know of in your life that serve you, that care about you, that kind of make this, make this the family and community that we have. We are so blessed and so lucky. And we really just want to take a moment to honor and recognize and thanks so much our volunteers. I want to give one more, you know, round of applause for our volunteers. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> you 
you know, we could, we could go on and on about, you know, how amazing these groups are, even go through the list of people in those. I mean, it, it's, it'll blow your mind, just the servants that we have here. And uh, so grateful for you. Um, I wanted to, 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 you know, take a pivot and then just use the rest of our time to focus on our king and to focus on Jesus. Because really, it's, it's, we're here today. It's incredible to encourage one another. But really, we're here to honor, to honor Jesus, you know, and to talk about Jesus and to commune with Jesus and to commune with one another and to, and to think about him. Uh, in the week, you just kind of, there's so much that's happening. It's so helpful just to come and just, just think about Think about our king, especially during this time of the year when we're thinking about him in a new, you know, kind of in a, a unique way, a part of his life of him breaking into the world. Uh, this is a, a time period in, in, that's been known uh, for centuries traditionally as a, the period of Advent. Uh, it's, it's the idea of, you know, Advent in Latin means coming. And so it's the idea of Jesus coming into this world, celebrating him, coming into the world, but then also like anticipating and looking forward to him coming back to take us, to take us home. Um, you know, I wanted to take a moment, and I was talking to actually Lynn Ottenweller after we were talking at 9 a.m., and she was saying how helpful it is to go into the holiday season just with like a, with just a framework for how are you going to look at the, at the holiday season? Because if you're not going in with like a frame of mind, then you're just reacting to things that happen, you know, throughout the season. And so we want to just kind of take a moment to just frame, frame our thinking and to kind of just think about Jesus for a minute and how he came into the world and celebrate him for a moment. I think if we're focused on Jesus going into the season, and that's where our minds are, it's going to be an incredible, you know, end of the year. Um, you know, for me, uh, this, this has come alive in a whole new way. I wanted to share a, a quote that Bree shared with me the other day from this book. And um, it says, it, it gives a, a, just a really cool uh, artistic look at how Jesus came into the world. It says, how does this world turn? Big and glossy and loud and fast. But God, when he comes, he shows up in this fetal ball. He who carved the edges of the cosmos curved himself into a fetal ball in the dark, tethered himself to the uterine wall of a virgin and lets his cells divide. He gave up the heavens that were not even large enough to contain him and lets himself be held in a hand. The mystery so large becomes the baby so small. An infinite God becomes infant. The giver becomes the gift. This quiet offering, this heart beating in the chest cavity of a held child, a thrumming heart beating hope beating change, beating love, beating the singular song you've been waiting for that the whole dizzy planet's been spinning around waiting for. You know, this kind of language for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that Jesus didn't come in loud, in loud hurricanes and lightning. And, you know, he came, at, he didn't just come down as a man. You know, he came in the quiet moments of the night. He came, he literally started off coming as cells in a woman's body. Like, that's how Jesus came into the world. And for me, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, my, my wife, Bree, is 31 weeks pregnant. And uh, we have a little, a little daughter that's supposed to, you know, supposed to come in, in uh, early February that we're really, uh, really excited about. Um, her name is going to be Maria Noel, all right? And we're calling her Mari. And uh, she's going to be amazing. And it's, 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 it was crazy. Even the other day, um, you know, Bree said, hey, you can kind of feel her poking out. And so I, I went to go kind of touch. And I, I could literally feel like... 
a bump there of something and I, and I touched it and then it like retracted. And I was like, oh no, I must, yeah, I must have hurt her, you know, or something like that. But it was, it was just kind of the idea of like, there is a creature, you know, inside of there. Like that is, that is a wild, that I touch and it moves. Like that's a crazy, wild thing, you know, to think about. They tell you, you know, that you should sing, you know, to your, to your baby as she's in there because she can hear your voice and know that. And that's such a wonderful thought. It, it has been so much harder in practice, you know, than it has been, you know, you try staring at someone's belly button and singing, you know, something. <laughs> And then having an audience, you know, where that's judging your singing, you know, right there, you know, with you. It's harder than it sounds, but, you know, I'm trying to, trying to be a good dad, you know, already with some of that stuff. You know, but it, it is going to be crazy because when she comes out, she's going to be 100% totally dependent on us to keep her alive. And when you think about Jesus, like Jesus, like God entrusted us and people enough that he was going to be totally dependent on us for a moment. That we were going to hold, that, we were, that Mary and Joseph were responsible for keeping God in the flesh alive. That is a wild, a wild thought. Another day I was, I was taking a prayer walk around here and I just started praying. Um, just, I just started getting really excited praying for, for Mari and I was just praying that we just become best friends. And praying that we just get really close. I, I, just started, getting, I started getting emotional you know, as I was praying and thinking about her and just getting so excited to meet her. So excited to be in her presence. And again, there's nothing that she's done. There's no reason why other than that she's mine and I get to be her dad. And I just feel so excited to kind of be in her, be in her presence. And I think about God in that way and how much he cares about being with us. You think about him in the garden for the first pages of the Bible, wanted to walk through the garden with us. And that didn't work out as much, so he brought the, he brought the tabernacle to dwell among his people. And the temple he brought to kind of say, okay, I'm going up another level. Then he's like, okay, I want to even go another level. I'm going to put myself inside of them in the most intimate of ways. I'm going to come out and then walk among them as, as a human being to show them the way. And that's not even enough. He says, once I die, I'm going to send my spirit so that every person that wants it can have me dwell within them. I want to be with them. I want to walk with them. I want to be in their presence. I want to hang out with them. I want to be their best friend. That's where God, God has like proven that again and again, that he wants that from us. You know that, that, uh, that, you know, it, that scene in It's a Wonderful Life where, you know, the guy just says, hey, what do you want? You want the moon? I'll tie a lasso around the moon and bring it down here. You know, bring it down here for you if that's what you want. And I think that's, that's how God views us. He's like, I want to communicate my love to you in whatever way, whatever way that I can in so many different kind of ways. What do you want? You want the most amazing creations that you, you could possibly see with your, with your human eyes? You want mountain ranges and incredible sunsets and, and water and these crazy looking plants and millions of species of animals and not just plants that feed you, but plants that are just beautiful to look at and just kind of blow your mind. And how about, how about you really want some food that not just to sustain you, but like you taste this kind of food and it just it's just like incredible and it brings you happiness and joy. He's like, what do you want? You want me to write that stuff down so you never forget it? I'll have people write it down for you. I'll write some love letters to you. What do you want? Do you want poetry? Me to sing you sing you songs and have people write poetry about me so we can connect in that way? I'll do that for you. You want some prophets that could come and speak my very words to you so you can understand who I am? I'm willing to give that to you. You know, what do you want? You want me to light a bush on fire so that you can see who I am in my presence right there? Do you want miracles? What do you want? I'll give it to you. I'll give myself to you. I'll come down and become one of you. I'll leave heaven and I'll come down 
to be one of you because I care so much about walking with you. I care so much about being connected to you. What do you want? You want me to to shed my blood for you? I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to be tortured for you. I'm willing to give it all up and, 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 and die the most painful death known at the time. I'm willing to do that so that you just know how much I want to be with you, how much I care about you. You want me to take down death itself? I will take out death itself and rise from the dead just so you know how much I care about you. That's the God who we, who we serve, who just wants to be with us, who cares about us that deeply. And he just wants to, he just wants to be with you. And to me, there's nothing that is more evident of that than God being born among us on that day, that lonely night 2,000 years ago. You know, God is obsessed with winning you over. He is obsessed with making you know how much he loves you. He's obsessed with wooing you. That's who our God is. We had an amazing uh, teen retreat a few months ago. Um, and Jeff Rohrbaugh, who leads uh, our Camp Swamp, he, uh, he posed really interesting questions to our uh, high schoolers. He said, um, if, you, if, if you were to have a debate with your friends right now, and he had them debate, he said, was Jesus more God or was he more human? We know he was both, right? And they said, which of them do you, think, do you think he was more of? And he had people raise their hands and debate. And, uh, and he said, you know, that, that question right there is vital to how you view life. That question. And he made the point. I mean, we know that God, Jesus was powerful. He did so many different things. You know, as a side note, it's amazing that Jesus never used his power for himself. He always used his power for those around him. Never used it for his own advantage and for his own gain. We know that Jesus was powerful. We know he had some of those divine abilities. But Jeff made the point of saying, I think that Jesus, by choice, chose to become more human rather than more God. And we already talked about how he started off as a small group of cells, you know, in Mary's body. Like that's, and then, and then he was born and then he had to be raised. He had to grow up. He had to learn how to be a human being, you know, much less be Jesus, right? He had to, he had to grow up. Now, what do you think it was like, you know, as Jesus was growing up? Uh, he, we know that he, there were, you know, a lot of people, there were rumors going around that Jesus was born out of wedlock. You know, that, his, that would have been super disgraceful, you know, at that point in, his, in, you know, in, that, in that society, even more, you know, than, than today with some of that stuff. So what, was he made fun of a lot by the different families? Did he go around thinking that there was a scarlet letter on him because people always were judging him and mocking him and, and wondering, you know, just how, you know, just how he was born? The pressure he must have felt, you know, from the kids around him. Did he feel like an outcast and different than everybody else? How did Jesus figure out that he was the Messiah? You know, uh, Jesus, like, was he three years old and all of a sudden it's like he understood, I am the Messiah. You know, like, like how did that just come, come to him? Or was that as he grew up, as his parents taught him, as he was learning from people in the, in the temple and in the synagogues, and that he was reading the scriptures, and he's like, I am from, I'm from Bethlehem, and my parents are from the line of Judah, and, you know, my mom is saying that she was born, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of brought this about. Like, and so he's thinking about it, and he had to learn that he was the Messiah, what implications would then would that bring along for him and the pressure that he would start to feel knowing that he was the Messiah, knowing that he was going to have to rescue God's people, 
knowing that he was going to be the savior of the world, knowing that for thousands of years, his words were going to be immortalized for people to dissect, that he was going to be on the, on the operating table for, for centuries for people to misunderstand and misquote and not totally understand what he was doing and, and judge him for things and reject him. The pressure that he would feel there, the pressure to know that as he's reading the scriptures that he was going to die an intense death, that he, when, he, when he saw going into Jerusalem and would see people be crucified, he had a little bit of an idea of that might be me one day having to be crucified. That for the rest of, that, that his words, you know, would last thousands of years. They would take down empires. The pressure that Jesus must have felt at a young age was probably pretty intense. Pressure that we've never felt. How would it feel knowing and feeling uh, and going through the experience of your dad dying at a young age? Now, you're the guy that has to take, take over the family. You're the big brother. That maybe you had all these dreams that you feel like God put on your heart. You, you realize the Messiah, you have a ministry, you have a dream, you have, you have a purpose, you have, you're about to change the world. But then he's got to work a construction job until God says that it's his, that it's his time just to take care of his brothers and sisters. He's in this no-name town, working a construction job, waiting around just for God to kind of make the time right. The pressure that he must have felt of like, man, I just want to go. But the pressure then to know that you cannot sin. That he, he knew that he could not, he had to set an example in that way. He had to struggle through that stuff. The temptations that Jesus must have felt. It says that he was tempted in every way. Just as we are. He was tempted with lust. He was tempted with pride. He was tempted with, with power. He was tempted with anger. Like Jesus was tempted with those things. Having to take that on and be an example, not only for people there, but for years to come. How about this? This struck me a lot. It says, how would it feel to grow up learning that King Herod put to death a whole town of kids because of you? The guilt that you must have felt that Jesus knew that people had to die because of him. You know, Jesus felt an extraordinary amount of pressure. You know, the scriptures, you know, are clear that Jesus, and it doesn't give a whole lot of details of his life, but I, I think that Jesus went through some of life's most intense, intense challenges. He, he probably faced a lot of holiday seasons that were not just always happy and joyful and singing Christmas songs, you know, about himself, right? Like he, he was probably... He was probably went through some, some moments and holidays that reminded him of family members, you know, dying, of, of friends that he had, of revolutions, of, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like Jesus went through some intense holiday, holiday seasons and just went through intense life challenges. You know, if Jesus was more God, then you kind of look at that stuff and you're like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that he can kind of get through some of that. Like he's God, so he can kind of get through it. But if Jesus was, was more human, it means that the pain was real. That his tears that he shed were real. They were authentic. The temptations he faced were real. You know, if Jesus was only more God, I think that this is always just going to be a religion for us. It's going to be unrelatable because it's God. he's God. So, of course, it's just God coming and saving the, and saving the day. But if Jesus was more human then he becomes our hero. And we can become like him in that way. And it changes, it changes everything. You know, I love, I love, you know, this picture even from the, from the, I think it's from the chosen. And uh, 
it's just a reminder, you know, of was there anything, I mean, God showed his vulnerability in coming down as a baby. God became vulnerable for a while. And he did that for us. He did that just because he wants to be with us. He cares about us. He wants, to, he wants to blow your mind with how much he cares about you. You know, Christmas, I think, is a time to remember that God was willing to do anything to win you over. Willing to do anything to win you over. And as we go into it, we're talking about celebration. I think this should bring us some of the most celebratory times ever. Knowing that Jesus took on human form, you know, God took on human form just for us. We should celebrate and throw huge parties, you know, this Christmas, remembering that. And I hope we can just take a moment to frame our thinking that it's not about all the distractions, but we just kind of get a chance to remember God became human. Like that is a crazy, crazy concept. We get a chance to remember. We get a chance to thank him. And we get a chance to anticipate the day that our hero is going to come back. He's going to bring us to be with him. And the party that we're about to experience in heaven one day together is about to be like nothing we can even imagine and fathom. What I wanted to do for the next few minutes, you know, uh, before the rest of our service is, you know, we are family in here. And I wanted to get a chance to even just get a moment just to turn to the person next to you and the group next to you and, sh and share like, how can you celebrate God in the last couple of months, you know, from your life? And get a chance to share about Jesus, maybe how you've seen him work. And just get a chance to talk about it, you know, for a minute together. And then we'll, we'll, we'll come back. But to me, there's, there's always th something that we can celebrate, you know, from who God is and from what he's done. Uh, and so I wanted to get a chance just to turn to the person next to you. If you just want to hang out and just kind of listen for a while and think about it to yourself, you know, that's totally cool. Obviously, we want to keep, uh, you know, be respectful of COVID and, and not, you know, not getting in people's faces and, you know, staying in your seat and stuff like that and not getting up to find, you know, your discussion group or whatever. But just for a few moments, you know, before Jeff comes up, I just wanted to get a chance just to, just to talk with the people around you and share, man, how has God blessed you, you know, over the last couple of months and how can you celebrate, celebrate him? I'm going to say a quick prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to do that together uh, before we continue with the rest of our service. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for, for Jesus. God, we are humbled that you would become one of us, that you would show us the way God, you have done so much to, to wow us, to win us over, to, to woo us. God, we want to we wanna set our mind on you. We pray, God, please change our mind. Focus our mind. Help us to repent and, and, and focus just on you, how amazing you are, how much you love us, God. Help us put away, even just for a moment, the different distractions and just meditate and, and, and bask in your love for us. Thank you for Jesus. Uh, we love him. God, we are so grateful for him. And we come before you in his name. Amen.